You're listening to The Story Connective. In this episode, I'm telling a story about a group that meets up regularly in downtown Houston to share food. Welcome to The Story Connective. I'm Rebecca Rhapsody. The Story Connective is dedicated to documenting and sharing inspiring stories of possibility, resilience, and cooperation. This episode is a bit different from what we've done before. We aren't interviewing anyone. Instead, you're going to hear me, Rhapsody, performing a story in front of a live audience at the Tejas Storytelling Festival. I told this story in 2016, and it is about my experience showing up at a public park in Houston to feed people free food. Houston has a dedicated group of people that do this four times a week. Just ordinary people who take time out of their lives to collect food from grocery stores, markets, and bakeries that would otherwise go to waste and distribute it to anyone who is hungry. I have some friends in Houston who do this multiple times a week, and they inspired me to do it too and to share my experience. At the Story Connective, we perceive how inspiration ripples out, creating actions which then create more inspiration and so on. And for the month of June, we're doing a special thing. We want to give back to the amazing people and projects we've told stories about. And we need your help. We are 100% listener and viewer supported. If you donate to the Story Connective by June 30th, you'll get to vote on which project we give to. We're doing a fundraiser, and whichever project gets the most votes will get a portion of the proceeds. So if you enjoy and support our 501c3 mission and vision of bringing stories of resilience and possibility to the world, please give so we can continue to do what we do and give back to those who've inspired these stories. There are two ways to give. You can become a monthly sustainer patron, which has special perks, or you can give a one-time donation. One-time donors and sustainer donors will both get a vote. Both ways will create ripples of giving because your donation given to us will allow us to keep giving you inspiring stories and it will give back to those inspiring projects so that they can keep giving to their communities too. Again, voting ends on June 30th. Please, please give and learn how to donate at www.storyconnective.org. Okay. Now on with this week's story that I performed in front of a live audience at the Tejas Storytelling Festival. My next storyteller is Rebecca Rhapsody. And she's a visionary. She's a problem solver. I'm starting to figure out as I was reading information from her, she is, uh, is interested in solving problems, but also she's a listener. She's a storyteller. She's, she's getting ready to start doing some traveling and working on some uh, documenting or working on some research with people that have had success in solving some of the problems of today. And she's also working on collecting uplifting stories. And I am really excited to hear what she has to share with us. Please welcome to the stage, Rebecca Rhapsody. What an introduction. 
So I'm feeling pretty nervous because I usually tell fairy tales and folk tales. That's where I'm comfortable. But today I'm telling a personal story. So here it goes. I believe, I believe that we see what we look to see. And I believe, I believe we create our reality. And so I've chosen to show up as all of me and see possibilities. It was a dark Friday night, and I was sitting in my car in downtown Houston, dwarfed by the skyscrapers on either side of me. And I was sitting across the street from the downtown Houston Public Library, more specifically the park next to the downtown Houston Public Library, because that was my destination. In that park, I could see about oh, 100 people walking around, and I knew that most of those people were homeless. And they were the reason why I was here. And I could feel my heart beating, my palms kind of sweating, because I was soon going to get out of my car and walk into that park. And did anybody else feel a little nervous walking to a park full of about 100 homeless people? Yeah. So what was I doing there? Why had I chosen to do this? Well, I have a friend, a really inspirational friend to me. His name is Lior, and I like to joke with him that he's got his own self-made master's degree in trusting people and in the sharing economy. This is a guy who wants to hitchhike his way from Israel to Thailand, he doesn't speak all the languages in between. And one of his favorite things to do wherever he's lived all over the world is to go to public places and volunteer for a movement called Food Not Bombs. So he's done this in a lot of places, and it just, it's one of his favorite things to do is to go up to people in a park and be like, hey, are you hungry? Because there's some people serving some free food over there. You wanna go get some food? And usually that ends up with the person saying, what do you mean free? Which starts this whole conversation where he gets to see the person kind of have little ahas that maybe food could be free, maybe, when something is free, there isn't strings attached all the time. Well, that conversation really jazzed me. Food Not Bombs is a movement all over the world. It's been around for about 30 years. And it's based around the principle that food is a right, not a privilege. And I agree with that. And I've been working on walking my walk and not just talking my talk and keeping commitments to myself. And I've been saying, okay, I'm gonna go volunteer for Food Not Bombs. Houston has a chapter that meets um, four times a week. So there I was on a Friday night, sitting in my car, feeling pretty darn nervous about the whole thing, particularly because I didn't see anybody else from Food Not Bombs there. I didn't see anybody who looked like they were about to serve food. And the whole thing started at eight, and it was already 7.58. So there's definitely a little voice in my head being like, Maybe no one's showing up. Maybe I can just drive home and be comfortable. That would be nice. At 8.01, the first car drove up, and I saw a woman get out of a white car and open up the trunk and start carrying out crates of vegetables and fruits. And then another car drove up, and another car drove up, and quickly emerged about 15 people, all there to help and to share food food that they cooked in their own time and brought to that park. So I got out of my car and I walked across the street and by the time I was there, a makeshift food line had been set up on a cement bench, a long cement bench. 
and volunteers were standing there with serving spoons in hand in front of crock pots and dishes full of salad, just lots of food. I found myself some plastic gloves and I found myself a place at the end of the line filling up glasses of water from a big blue cooler and handing them out to people. By the time people got to me, their plates were loaded with rice and broccoli and pasta and bread and fruit. <sighs> I really liked handing out water to these people. I noticed that with each cup of water that I handed out, I could feel just all of my anxiety melt away. All of my angst from the day, I'd gotten into an argument with a friend, I'd been sitting in traffic, I didn't know traffic, all of that just melted away. And there was nothing but me, but in that present moment, nothing but me and all the beautiful faces I was seeing with each person I contacted eyes with as I handed out water. All the beautiful people that had spent their time getting this food and making this food and handing it out. And I swear, I just felt like I was in this bubble radiating out of peace and compassion and presence. So many faces, so many stories. And I really enjoyed getting to watch everybody. There is one man who came up to me with a plate of food in one hand and two dog leashes in his other hand that were attached to pretty large dogs. Somehow he managed to grab a glass of water at the same time and he had a seat. And I watched him as he intimately took food from his plate and fed it to those animals. And those dogs, they put their little heads on his legs and looked up at him. So much love and adoration. You could tell that he had definitely rescued them from the streets. He had a blanket around his shoulders. That's what he used to keep warm. And you could tell that he also shared his warm blankets with his dogs when they looked like they were cold. Each person that I saw that I handed water to, I could just feel my heart cracking open wide, learning how to love just a little bit more. There was one woman who didn't make eye contact. She had a big red baseball cap on with a wide brim, and she would not look at anybody. And at first I thought, huh, that's kind of odd. And then I put myself in her shoes and thought, yeah, okay, if I was living on the street as a woman, I don't think I'd make eye contact with people either, because that would be unwanted attention, and that would be dangerous. That cannot be an easy life to live. I loved handing out the glasses of water, because water is a really powerful symbol to me. I'm made up of water, 60%. We all are. And each person that I handed water to, no matter if they were white or black or Latino, the global majority or the global minority didn't matter. They're just a human being like me. And it felt good. It felt really good. Soon the food was served and seconds had been called. And as quickly as everything had come together to form this little community, everything dissipated. And the crock pots were thrown in the car and volunteers started driving off. And the last thing that I did was to help someone take down a sign that had a picture drawn on it. And this picture was of different people of backgrounds and colors and nationalities, all smiling, all holding spoons and vegetables. And behind them were pictures of community gardens thriving with food. And there are signs on this picture too that said things like, homes, not jails, peace, not scarcity, food, not bombs. 
And I said, yeah, that, that's what I want. I want to live in a community where community actually means something on a soul deep level. I want to live in a community where food is a right and not a privilege. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I know I'm not the only one. And that's the point. If I was just to go out to that park by myself, what could I accomplish? Not much. But to go there with another group of people that are saying, yeah, this is my dream too, let's do something. It's really inspiring. <sighs> food is a really important issue to me. And the majority of the food that we handed out that night and what I saw people even taking home to cook into more food was fruits and vegetables that otherwise would have been thrown away. Food Not Bombs mostly serves donated food, like the day-old bread from the bakeries, and also those less than perfect apples and pears and peaches that you see at the grocery store that no one's gonna buy when you can buy a perfectly good peach. Something like 50% of the food that's grown from the earth at no charge to us. In the Western world, that food usually does not make it into a human stomach. Like I said, about 50% gets just thrown away. So Food Not Bombs is going in there and being like, you know, I'm going to care about this enough to just go to the grocery store and cook it and give it to people who need it. It's really incredible. I've only been back to Food Not Bombs about three times now, but I'd like to dedicate this story to the people who are showing up and being about what they care about and helping to really create a world where people, all people belong. I believe, I believe that we create our reality. And I believe that we see what we look to see. And so I'm choosing to see the possibility. And what you're seeing now is me. So what story do you see? Thank you. So an interesting thing happened when I was telling that story, because when I ended it, I didn't actually mean to say what you're seeing now is me, so what story do you see? I was supposed to just say, so what story do you see? And I'm sharing this because I think it's an interesting thing, because when I've listened to that story again, to be honest, I'm a little anxious about sharing it with you. And I, I've chosen to share it because I do think it's an interesting story and I am inspired by the people who take these sorts of actions, but what you're seeing now is me. And I don't know if I do a good enough job checking my privilege in this story. The story is told through my perspective and I am college educated, female, and I've always had a place to sleep and I've always had food in my stomach. What can I say that will be respectful about the experiences of those who do go hungry and don't have homes? It's a population that I admittedly haven't done much to get to know, at least not yet. And re-listening to this story, I think I talked too much about how I was uplifted from this experience of service and didn't do enough to let these people share their experiences. I did my best to craft the story so that it inspired empathy, but if I were to retell it, 
I would try to make it more respectful and representative of what they want people to know. Regardless, I hope it will inspire dialogue. Food Not Bombs is a global movement that has been around since the early 80s. There are likely over a thousand chapters of Food Not Bombs active in over 60 countries, including the Middle East, Africa, Asia, and across the Americas. There's no headquarters or leader. Each chapter is independent and autonomous and makes decisions using the consensus process. Anyone anywhere can start a chapter. Food Not Bombs has been portrayed controversially in some media in the past, and I suggest that you do your own research. This is what their website says about what they're trying to achieve. Food Not Bombs is trying to inspire the public to participate in changing society and focus our resources on solving problems like hunger, homelessness, and poverty, while seeking an end to war and the destruction of the environment. They are also showing, by example, that people can work cooperatively through volunteer efforts to provide needs like food, housing, education, and healthcare. To find out more about Food Not Bombs, go to www.foodnotbombs.net. That's it for our show today. Remember, for the month of June, Story Connective is doing a special thing. If you donate to the Story Connective by June 30th, you'll get to vote which project we've told a story about so far gets a portion of the proceeds of this fundraiser. Story Connective is 100% listener and viewer supported. Please support our 501c3 mission and vision of bringing stories of resilience and impossibility to the world so we can keep doing what we're doing and to give back to. Go to storyconnective.org to learn how to donate. You can become a monthly sustainer patron, or you can give a one-time donation that will get us better audio and visual equipment so we can give you even better quality stories. We need your support to keep giving you these inspiring stories and to be able to give back to these important projects that have inspired us. Again, the voting ends on June 30th. Learn more and donate at www.storyconnective.org. Also, it's simply a huge help if you share our stories. Share this podcast with friends, family, and coworkers. Subscribe to our podcast feed. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And leave comments and reviews. We love hearing from you. Thank you for your support. Audio recording by Loxley Clovis at storyconnective.org. Audio production by Jeffrey Gaston. The intro song is Which That Is This by Dr. Turtle, released under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The outro song is by Rebecca Rhapsody. Thank you to our nonprofit fiscal sponsor, Elsa, at ellssa.org. The purpose of this audio is for nonprofit education, news, and commentary. This audio is released under the Attribution Share Alike Creative Commons License. Thank you for listening to the Story Connective. <laughs>